Hello, and welcome to Layer of Secrets Podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I am David Moore, and I've been traveling the world, visiting our other Layer entrances and uh, our hidden caches uh, to unearth gaming inspiration. Um, I'm still a little dirigible lagged. Dirigibles will have that effect, especially on those those epic transatlantic uh, crossings, right? Yes, yes. So I am Ken Nyquist, and I am attempting to reclaim my game room for the from the forces of unfun. Um, but first, you have a, yet another tech update. I do, uh, and if you're watching on Twitch, you can actually see them. Uh, <laughs> AirPod Pros. Why did I wait so long? <laughs> I have gone through several sets of wireless headsets like like this. I, I like them. The aftershocks here. They're bone conducting. Uh, I've had over the ear headphones, etc. Like the aftershocks are not inexpensive. So like it, it like work paid for those, but still like I, they would have paid for these had I asked for them. And my biggest concern is I am not in the Apple ecosystem, uh, especially my last my last contract. I had a Mac, but it was a work one. And that was the only thing that I had. You know, I, I now have an iPad. Nothing else is Apple related. And so I was always worried about like switching and doing other stuff like that. And as we will hear in our main segment, when it comes up, I had to do some international travel for work. I was like, okay, the aftershocks aren't going to work. I want something that's noise canceling because planes can be loud for various reasons. Usually just the air condition or the air recirculation is just loud. And I wanted some to listen to music that had a good battery life, et cetera. And so I was like, oh man, what can Amazon deliver to me in one day? Um, <laughs> can I get these in one day? And, and they did. I've loved them. You know, I've been able to hook them up to my desktop, my work laptop, the iPad, the iPad, haven't tried the Steam Deck yet, but I will. But they're basically just Bluetooth. I just have to manually disconnect and then connect to another machine, which is not as convenient as the Apple ecosystem. And it's just like, oh, I've somehow detected that you are now using this other thing and I will move <laughs> yes. all your audio over. Uh, they're much better. Than, they they f also fit a lot better. I have I have these isotunes. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I have a messy desk. I have the isotunes, which I really like. And I got them for working in the garage will sometimes fall out of my ears. And I have yet to have any of these fall out of my ears. However, one thing I did notice when I was reading up about like how to make sure they fit and stuff, there's a, like a fit test app mm -hmm. thing. I found out that this ear is slightly different than this ear, so I have two different sized ear insert things uh, on the iPad Pro. Um, and so I might try to see if I can find the Isotunes ones to see if I can adjust the sizing of those so they stay in my ears when I'm in the shop. That was interesting. Yeah. So if even if you don't have AirPod Pros, check your the different silicone ear tips that come with you know, different kinds of stuff because my ears are two different sizes and evidently that is not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a similar sort of experience and I have to say, so my biggest challenge with the AirPods, I got my AirPods just before the beginning of the pandemic. Like I wanted to get them for running. These were, you know, the AirPods Pro were water resistant. And so I got them for running because my, I went like, just like you, I went through so many different Bluetooth AirPod, Air, 
buds or whatever. Yes. And they all just like broke the kid. Like, so they always had like the cable that was connecting in the back or whatever. Right. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to invest in it. And then, and then I ended up sitting at my desk for two years <laughs> because of the freaking pandemic. Right. So I did right. use them for exercise, but their primary use case became, Hey, uh, Use them for video conferencing. My, now, my biggest problem with them has been losing them, not the oh, actual no. AirPods, but the case, right? Oh, it's that's not good. Because you can't ping the case. Like, I have a, so I have an iPhone. You can't ping the case. You can ping the AirPods. If they're in the case, they're not pingable, at least the version I have. I don't have the version okay. 2 AirPods. Okay, okay. So my solution to this, and I, you can see it on Twitch, uh, is that I got a tile and a case. And so now I use the tile to find my AirPods. because. Nice. It's re I've lost them for multiple days for multiple dumb reasons, and there's just they're not pingable. So that's yeah. my primary criticism of the case for on Apple is that you can't ping the case. I think that's new in the new in the iPad Pro iPod Pro the version I have. I will have to check that. Yes, the thing I don't <laughs> like. This looks like USB C. It it's does. not. It's the lightning connector. <laughs> I hate it because it's the only device that I own that requires a lightning connector. So I have to have a special cable just to charge these. Um, and now I'm realizing it's not on my desk. I had to take it with me. Uh, and the other thing is that the lightning cable is lightning cable to USB-C is the version they sent with this. And they did send oh. a charger that was USB-C to, you know, that I could plug in a USB-C cable to, but all of my chargers are USB-A ports. So I have USB-A to USB-C, but I don't have anything <laughs> that I can plug USB-C into directly. So like I had to, in order to charge these while I was on the plane, I had to, open up my backpack, plug the USB-C into my laptop, which luckily is like always live, even though the laptop is shut. And I was able to get enough charge on these to recharge these to get the rest of the way home. So like I would, I have, I mean, this is the Steam Deck case, but like I have a ginormous battery for charging devices multiple times. But because it's USB-C to lightning to lightning connector, it wouldn't go in because it's all USB-A. <laughs> that's really that's really annoying to me. What I might see if they do is see if there's like a third party lightning cable, like magnetic adapter sort of thing or something. The the side benefit, though, is this is also inductive charging. Didn't help me on the plane one bit. But I do have an inductive charge plate for the, the key chargers will also charge this thing. So I have that next to my bedside table and I'll just I'll just stick it on there. So, I mean, they're not perfect, but they're much better than I had hoped in terms of like switching and sound quality. The pass through is a little weird. Um, like if I take them out, it's it it sounds very different. It sounds louder if I have it on pass through, then if I take the, the hmm. ear pods out of my ears, overall, I really like them and I've used them a fair amount. Uh, so far they are better than any of the other ear pod, you know, like the ISO tunes and everything else like that. The aftershocks because of the shape of my head always irritates one side of my ear, mm. you know, and I haven't had any of those issues, those ergonomic sort of issues overall have liked them. 
I mean, you can complain about anything. I mean, you can. Yes, of course. Totally easy <laughs> for that, you know. Yeah, I, I will say I've run many, 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 many miles and they have not fallen out of my ears. Good. So good to know. Maybe I can also say the same thing uh, eventually. So. <laughs> But you mentioned earlier that you were reclaiming your game room. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, indeed. So, uh, you know, talking about spending two years in meetings using these AirPods, uh, it was in this room that I did that, right? Because during the pandemic, basically everybody retreated. My office, my home game room, uh, which was also my home office, but, you know, we would play D&D here or whatever role-playing game we were playing every week. Right. Um, and like, you know, it was kind of like my fortress of solitude. Like I would come back up here and I'd be able to just kind of like hang out, chill, read a book, play some video games, watch a movie. And then like during the pandemic, it just became my work. It became my everything space, which, you know, alluded, you alluded to last episode when you were talking about getting the steam deck, right? Like when you're in the same place for fun and for work and for whatever, it's just, it's just too much. Yes. And so, um, I've been purposefully over like the last couple of weeks trying to reclaim it so that i basically this comes back to being like a creative fun space instead of just being the place where you trudge up the stairs fire up zoom or google meet and like you're into yet another meeting for six hours right yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a bit of a struggle <laughs> i'm aided in this because my son is now back in high school so he's a junior in high school so he's gone a good chunk of the day our seeing eye puppy steven uh, returned for puppy college he is he's back at the seeing eye and was cleared for training is currently doing his thing so i don't have to worry about him and i can get back to my actual work office uh which is only like you know 20 minute walk away and I th it, it, it's opened up the opportunities for me to actually just like use this properly. And as we talked about last episode, I want to run some games at an upcoming convention. So I'm trying to switch into creative mode where it's like, okay, I'm going to come up here. I'm going to work on, work on Savage Ring World. I'm going to work on mutants and not mutants and marvels. Uh, mutant Fall Classics. <laughs> um, I suppose it could be mutants and marvels. But in any case, you know, just like sit down, actually get some fun work done and who knows maybe even play a game up here so my my grand plans to try and get a weekly game together again have been foiled by life um but i'm hoping maybe gaslands reloaded in october I and mean, i've got like a weekend or two where the guys might be able to come over and, and it's and the great thing about gaslands is you don't need a huge number of people right if three of us right. can show up we can play gaslands yeah um, and i was thinking gaslands could be a good convention game because then i could run two role-playing games one gaslands scenario and Gaslands doesn't require as much prep. I have another friend who loves running Gaslands, so you know we tag team it. Could be a lot of fun. I think we talked about that's, Gaslands that's plan. In, a, in a previous episode, uh, previous Indeed. season. It's, it's a, yeah, it's just probably something of a callback at this point, right? Yeah, <laughs> I have I, it on well, the I would recommend. <laughs> yeah, my my copy's over there, but I would definitely recommend. And if you need the the links, I can I can get them for you. Maybe we'll put them in the show notes as well. But like on Thingiverse and a couple of other places, maybe printables. Like people have made the templates for Gaslands for like maneuvers mm -hmm. and and moving and the audience you know the audience votes or other things like that. You know all of those things as three D printable objects. And when I ran it at uh, you know the the friend get together two years ago now that was very very useful and, and a lot of fun uh to be able to do that and it was it gave us something a little more solid than like maybe like a uh like a thick paper template if yes. you need if you were interested i can get you the links for the those printable items 
Yeah, it was since my son bought a fairly nice 3D printer, I know a guy who can yeah. help me with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, my friend Nate, actually, he's the, the person who uh, was really into who is into Gaslands and just, I think, hasn't had a chance to really play it. Um, he went all in. He bought a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, Amazon had like the three print three. The, well, not 3D printed, but 3D templates and what have you, like all of those kinds of things you're describing. He like he's got it. He's like, let's play. And then Omicron hit. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, we had that narrow yeah. wind. No, I know. I think that was Delta, right? Like, because it was, I think it was the summer I went to Philmont. So it was last summer, right? Nice little low in the middle of the summer. We're all thinking about getting back together again. We got together once to play Battletech, and then Delta mm. slammed us, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And then Omicron, you know, because we like to collect them all. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not really. Hopefully, hopefully you don't collect <laughs> any more during ga your Gaslands game. One would hope. One would hope. I will say, as a public service announcement, you should do it too. Uh, well, you know, if you're so inclined. Uh, the new vaccines are out. The new, uh, the new extra crispy yep. Omicron yep. variant vaccines are out. So I'm getting my shot tomorrow. So yeah. On episode five, I can tell you how well it went because the last couple of times, well, the last three times I got the shots, it kind of kicked my butt. So yeah. <laughs> We'll see what happens Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, uh, assuming they have ones open. I am probably getting mine tomorrow as well. And uh, Aaron got hers today. But yeah, the last couple of times has knocked me on my butt for at least a day, sometimes two. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... But I have a conference in two weeks, so I'm going to be flying. I'm going to be doing what you did, right? I'm getting yep. on a plane. I'm going to be at a conference, you know, yep. figures like it's a good it's a good window to get it done. So, yep. I will be out going back to Pfizer because Moderna kicked my butt. <laughs> so gotcha. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yep. You can collect them all. I, yeah. You know, why not? So in, ter in terms of collecting them all, so we're just going to keep doing the awesome segues here. <laughs> I believe you have collected a completed video game so i did finish i didn't want to exactly finish cyberpunk 2077 because i heard it had kind of ending sort of kind of endings like red dead redemption or red Dead redemption 2 not as bad there's like still hope <laughs> but there is a thing there's a secret ending there's like several different endings for V, who's the main character, and depending upon how, you know, what choices you make. They're all slightly different flavors of the same sort of ending. There is one ending that's the quote-unquote secret ending, where if you get friendship up to a certain point with Johnny Silverhand, although that's in debate. But one thing that's not in debate is in one particular scene, you have to choose very specific dialogue options when talking to him. And if you don't, you can't get that secret ending. Uh, luckily, I had a save shortly before that secret ending, but probably about 12 hours of play until the end. So I am I am going back and after finishing it the first time, I got one ending. I'm going back and playing playing from that point. I'm just about at that point, actually. Uh, I will, I'm going to replay uh, the rest of it so I can see the secret ending part two. It's still a fun game. Um, the T poses, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, like I haven't happened in this replay through, but I've only played for maybe half an hour since I hadn't played since I've been away. I have been still bit by the Cyberpunk 2077 bug. I think <laughs> perhaps, Ken, you have also been bitten by the Cyberpunk 
bug as yes well. I, I entirely blame you uh I, I guess i blame gen con since that's really what got us all going on this yeah right yeah. Or, or you have the you had the bug before gen con right or i, you, I like, had it, a it, minor it, bug before gen con <laughs> and then i was like hey i technically have a press pass maybe i should talk to people at gen con you know talk to some game designers and stuff and i had and you know cyberpunk red is you know, that is the game that has come out since Cyberpunk 2077. Mike Pondsmith was the original creator of Cyberpunk 2020, which is what CD Projekt Red had used as the basis for Cyberpunk 2077. Kind of a slight alternate history um, and, and obviously like 57 years in the future. Right. And then uh, and then Cyberpunk Red is technically a little before 2077. Yeah, we're used to wibbly wobbly timey wimey yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, time is But yeah, I <laughs> think Gen Con was the was like <laughs> that inflection point of me getting really back into cyberpunk stuff. Yeah, so when we can't shut up about uh cyberpunk, it's because of because of David. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've been I've been reading up on it. Uh I I got um Cyberpunk Edge Runners is out on Netflix. We talked about it last time. You raved about it. You were right. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's it's violent. It's brutal. It's uh, gory, visually overloading. Um, but it's everything I'd ever wanted a cyberpunk anime to be. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just fun to. Watch. I, I do say say I, I have to like actually pay attention to it. It's not something I could have on on in the background because there's so much happening on screen all the time. Yeah. Um. And like the episode I just watched had like I think three concurrent timelines happening simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you oh. know there were a couple episodes where, yeah, you you bounce between characters and such. Um, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, I'll put some sci-fi stuff on the background while I'm working working on Savage Ring <laughs> Wait, World. What, and what's like, going on? <laughs> yeah, no, I just missed everything, so I back up ten minutes so I can see what I just missed. I'm like, oh, well, now it makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that it was gory, and yes. There's lots of lots of violence and a fair amount of blood, but at the same time, it's not like it doesn't reach the level of like Invincible. I think is the cartoon. No, no, it definitely doesn't reach not. that it's... level. You know, yes, it does reach kind of a gore level, but it's not like it's not like Invincible level, uh, which yeah. which I stopped watching after the first. Like, I don't think I even made it through the entire first episode because I was like, this is gratuitous and in my sensibilities, not necessary to tell the story. Whereas for cyberpunk, I think it's it is skirting that edge, but it didn't yes. ever go over it for me. Yeah. And the boys had that same sort of problem right like it could just be super duper over the top boring, especially in the most recent season. And I, I would say mm. I can't. I guess tasteful is the right word. Like they, they pull it right up to the edge, like where you would expect a cyberpunk thing to be right. There's going to be a certain amount of almost body horror that comes with people replacing their body parts with metal. And then yeah. maybe occasionally having those metal parts ripped off because they're in a combat with, uh, yeah. or, <laughs> with or, other um, uh, edge runners. So, and I think what I saying that, I think what ends up happening for me is yes, there's gore, but it's showing it. It's not, focusing per se on the blood and the gore it's focusing right. on the character's reaction to it in a lot of cases yes um yes. you know there's there's one episode where one of the edge runners gets killed in front of 
the main character, David's face, and he's so shocked by it that, yes, they show the attack, but then immediately just switch to just his eyes wide and glazed and everything is like time shifted uh, because of his cyberware. But like that is the majority of the focus for that scene is just like his reaction. Yeah. So uh, I'm not the only one. Several of our friends are also into cyberpunk. So I feel like momentum is is growing. I am planning on I, <laughs> I I'm trying to watch my budget. So I'm, I'm being really good and I am not ordering the book until <laughs> October, which thankfully is only a few days away at this point. But uh, it looks good. It looks really good. So we talked about a little bit. You mentioned the Steam Deck a couple of times. How's it been going with the Steam Deck? Um, it's going good. Um, I actually played the first game I really played on it was uh, Call of Cthulhu, uh, mm. which is a survival horror-ish, but it's also a little bit of a almost, I think they call them walking simulators. <laughs> it's like you go through and theoretically you, you find clues and things like that. And that does affect... Uh, from what I understand, it does affect the outcome of the stories. There's there's some multiple endings there, too. But pretty much you look around for little white dots on the thing and then you go and you interact with them and it gives you some more information. And there's some there are some choices that happen for the most part. It's a very linear storyline, but it's it's kind of a detective thing. For me, it's not a detective thing, but it's it's based around a detective who is trying to solve a mystery and then finds this uh, this cult that is uh, Darkwater is the name of the town that he's in. And so there's a cult underneath Darkwater. And, and of course, some of the citizens of Darkwater are part of the cult. And so he can he went there to like solve a death or, or a mystery that went in there. I had actually started it probably three, four months ago or so. And then started playing again because it seemed like a good one to play on the steam deck <laughs> and it works really well uh you know i'm i'm able to go and sit on the couch or a comfy chair or out on my porch and not always be in this room which is the room that i normally do work in and i found that working and playing in the same exact location is uh, a sure way to have me burn out Yesterday, I actually uh, fired up Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> to work on that secret <laughs> ending, and uh, and it works fine. It says it's not like 100% Steam Deck compatible, and that's the only reason for that that I have seen is that it, 2077 pulls up a launcher, and there's some okay. other stuff in there, and then so basically, I can't just use you know like Xbox controls to run the launcher. I have to touch the touch screen to say play and 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 then I'm in and then I then and at that point on it's Xbox controls. So it's not a big deal there. Right. Even though it's it's not 100% Steam Deck. I'm l- greatly looking forward to Slime Rancher 2, which was just <laughs> announced as early access, but I'm going to hold off on it as long as I can. Probably Christmassy time. I'm gonna, you know, there's uh, one of my daughters. Uh, she really loves Slime Rancher, uh, along with me, and so I think I know one Christmas gift we're getting. But yeah, I try to stay away from early access stuff. But that seems like the game that would be perfect on the Steam Deck. Nice. So uh, insert really bad segue here. <laughs> 
there's a new Star Wars series out that I've been holding off on, and uh, but you have evidently watched it. Yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars Andor. My 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 wife saw the coming attractions for it. He's like, "You're not watching that without me, are you?" I'm like, "No, of course not." <laughs> course not uh so it's a it's a for those who don't know it um it follows cassian andor i think i think that's i got his name right that sounds right. um from from uh rogue one and rogue one is basically a star wars war story right and so i would say that andor is very much continuing in that vein like it's got that more desperate tone it's much more street level um there's no jedi running around there's not been a hint of a lightsaber yet. Um, the Empire is being bad in the way that, like... Well, actually, it's, it's actually a corporation aligned with the Empire. They're just being bad in that sort of, like, bad corporate sort of way. Like, just, like, corporate mm-hmm. police running around in a, in a, in a city, in a uh, company town. Um, almost a little bit cyberpunkish, but uh, <laughs> but not quite. <laughs> Nobody's got any... Well, there might be some some uh, some cyberware out there. I don't remember if I saw any, but it's it's definitely yeah, grittier and uh, effectively cyberware in uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah, no, they totally did, and they had it in. I mean, honestly, they had it in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back, right? Like the um, what you call it, Lando's assistant, whose name escapes me right now, Luke's hand. Luke's hand, yes, of course, right. So you know, it's not uh, not unknown in the Star yeah. Wars universe. But it's just not it's the focus, <laughs> right? I'd say it's a slow burn, right? I, I'm purposely avoiding what people are saying about it online because I don't care. Um, I think it's a slow burn, and so far I've been enjoying it, right? And there's there's little bits of humor here and there, but not much, and certainly not compared to like Rogue One did have some good jokes um, in terms of just uh, the droid, the, the Imperial droid had some yes. great lines. Well, I mean, Alan Tudyk was the voice actor yes. behind him. So having a droid that would be had the voice actor of Alan Tudyk behind it and not have some sort of joke or funniness would be right. very weird to me. But, you know, like, like the lines like, I trust you. Cassian told me I had to. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so oh, what that's I found right. that- is he, so like he and Cassian did, did, has has that droid showed up? Yeah. No, from what I understand, he doesn't. If he shows up, it won't be for another season or two because the okay. the, the plan, as I understand it, because I read an interview with the the director and like storytellers, um, like they want to build up, like the series will end where Rogue One begins. Sure, sure. So they're going to get you to that point. So he'll show up. At, I mean, he may show up at some point, but he's not going to show up in in season one. There's a different droid who can't lie if he doesn't have enough power. Oh my! <laughs> Which is great, right? Like he's like, I'm going to need you to tell two lies. He's like, I don't have enough power for two lies. <laughs> I'm going to have to go home and recharge. <laughs> okay, I got. <laughs> Which watch I thought it was now. great. <laughs> I was planning great. on watching it, but I just wanted to make sure that like you know Tegan hasn't gone off to college yet, and so I was going to watch it with. Aaron and Tegan. And so uh, getting three people in the same room has been difficult because of schedules, even though they're right. all family. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's on my list of things that I want to watch, but I have not yet watched it. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it. It reminds me like we're my current Star Wars campaign. We're, we're up against Zerka Corporation. That's going to be our big bad. So Zerka Corporation from uh, Knights of the Old Republic. So it's guys, it's it's a nice synergy of uh, what's on TV and what's in our heads. Nice, nice. So what's in your head? <laughs> what's in my head? <clears throat> my head uh, is is full of sleepiness, but also trying to plan for the next couple of games. We're still not quite yet done with the 
short-term <laughs> Spelljammer game we were supposed to do. <laughs> Thought we'd be done by now, um, but schedules being what they were, uh, have not been able to do it. Theoretically, we if if everything goes well and we uh, can get enough people together this Thursday, uh, we may be able to finish the last of the four modules because they really only... Module three kind of lasted two sessions, but most of the modules are just a single session. So this might be our final of the four that turned into five sessions, but it turned out to be like over two months, two months or more. <laughs> uh, as I wrote in my notes, we ran into some phlogiston trouble uh, that slowed <laughs> down our, our gaming. The Star Wars game, I kind of started to hit my stride on in terms of planning and having like a plot arc for it. Kind of piggybacked off of the Fate game that we played where everybody was, you know, part of the pseudo men in black, but for uh, for our hiding of cryptids. Whereas this is a group that is kind of going around like the BPRD uh, or Hellboy and, you know, making sure that powerful artifacts of the force don't fall into the Empire's hands or rather the remnants of the Empire's hands, because this is shortly after shortly after Return of the Jedi, which is where this is set. So one of the things that they just did was they kind of found a powerful force artifact and took it, but it was attached to a statue that statue was like made of some sort of weird metal sort of thing, which as a GM in my head was basically like a very old version of carbonite. And so now that they have detached that object from them and then left, um, it's kind of like the mummy is where my inspiration came from. They have left. They were, they are, were fighting the group, a group that was defending that statue. Uh, but they didn't have a chance to talk about why, uh, you know, kind of like at the beginning of the mummy where they were just attacked and they tried to kill them all, hopefully become allies later, but they basically just released a big bad. And so, uh, but that big bad is going to take a little time to show up. That is where things have left so far. They don't know it yet, but I think that will be revealed to them fairly soon. Uh, at that point, we'll we'll see how it goes. We have two Jedi in our in our group, out of three people. So it's you know it's we only have the three. I think it'll work. I think it'll work. We'll see. Uh, at least it gives me a plot arc to to aim for, and so I think we'll we'll do pretty well. Cool. Without delving deep into that, we also wanted to to talk with all of you out there. My travels to. Uh, Porto, Portugal, which is where I went overseas, um, was was teaching over there. That's kind of what I do as part of my job. It inspired the idea of how travel and other cultures can help us in gaming to make our gaming richer, but also enriches us as people. Uh, and so we kind of wanted to talk about it's kind of nebulous you know, we, we came up with the topic, so we don't have like bullet points for this topic. But, you know, like I have. I lived overseas my senior year of high school. Uh, my parents were professors. And so I lived in Malaysia for that entire year. Uh, and so we traveled Southeast Asia every so often during that year. 
my uh, spring break that year was spending a week in Nepal, hiking in the foothills of the Himalayas, you know, meeting all those different people and seeing the different cultures really changed me, in my opinion, for the better and, and got me understanding that people are people all over the world. Everybody wants to have a good life. Traveling to Porto, you know, it's been a long time since I did any any international travel. And so traveling to Porto reminded me of that again, emotionally, not just intellectually. All the students that I was teaching who are full on adults, I call them students, which might sound like I'm teaching high schoolers. I'm not. I'm teaching people at another corporation. But like all of those students were great. They showed me around the city there. I, I would love to have their lunchtime. You know, and I won't go to, into too much detail, but let's just say the minimum lunchtime there was an hour and a half uh, because wow. we would eat lunch and then we would go for coffee. <laughs> and by coffee, I mean espresso. Right, right. And so it was going there and seeing the history of it. The tower that was there is the tallest tower in Porto is older than the United States of America. Just seeing those different areas, you know, a lot of gamers and a lot of the gamers that you know, we are, we are gamers from the U.S. and a lot of gamers are in the U.S. don't really have that history of culture because our country isn't 1976. I'm trying to do the math here, but, you know, it's not even <laughs> 250 years old yet. It's it's one of those things that you go to other countries and there are buildings there that have been there longer than we have been a country. I'm not even talking about the people now, uh, you know, so it's like it's I'm doing a lot of pauses. So what I'm going to do is I'm going <laughs> to hand it off to Ken while I get my thoughts straight uh, for what I want to what I want to focus on. But like I could just talk about travel, which was awesome. But I'm going to let Ken talk for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think it's you raise a good point, and I think you know I I haven't necessarily had this experience because I haven't been to Europe yet or someplace that had like truly old things. But you know, you read about like pubs that have been in continuous operation since like 900 AD, 1100 yeah. AD, right? Like that's that's amazing, right? Like that, that there's buildings that have been continuous usage as a business for hundreds of years, and I think that that often gets. Um, I think it often gets lost in role-playing games, right? Like we, although we often play in a fantasy thing, and I suppose you're set during the Middle Ages, so you're assuming, oh, well, it's all just built. But even then, right? Like you're in buildings that could be hundreds of years old, even if you're in the High Renaissance era of your campaign world. There could still be buildings that are thousands of years old, like the Roman, like if you think about the Roman ruins throughout Europe and what have you, right? Like they were there. There's a whole civilization that rose and fell beforehand and so you get hints of that in like the lord of the rings movies where you can see the you know the great statues and the old ruins but i think in a game i don't know that we always evoke that that kind of history the closest i can come to it is going to i went to san juan when i was in sixth grade i think in puerto rico and we went to the old spanish fortresses it was amazing right first of all because there aren't really that many big fortifications here in the united states right those that we have are like colonial forts. Like I've been to Sandy Hook. Like my my previously my my biggest example was like going to Sandy Hook, where they used to launch like Nike missiles, and like they had fortifications in case the Nazis were going to attack New, uh, New York Harbor. But it's not the same. <laughs> like that no. was just World War Two. To actually be walking through, you know, these castles in Puerto Rico was just was really really impressive, and it gives you the sense of 
of age that I didn't get in, you know, sometimes like old Boston, maybe like certain areas, like certain old colonial places in the United States, you might start to get a feel for it. But certainly when you go out West, what feels old is the terrain. Yeah. I mean, in like, um, the, the tower that I was mentioning in Porto is part of a, like a, a chapel sort of thing. And so there was the, the chapel that's attached to it and they had an awesome light show inside of it. I highly recommend it if you go there, but you know, going up in the tower, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, the fortifications, you know, this is supposedly a religious building, but going up in the tower, it was definitely built with like arrow slits or like gun ports to right. look out and defend part of that town. You know, so that's that was that was interesting, you know, that, you know, and Aaron actually brought it up. It's like weren't, you know, like like these areas, weren't they supposed to be like sanctuaries and people wouldn't attack them? And yet you have defensive emplacements. It's not a castle, but it's still definitely a defended area or could be right. The one of the things that I saw in Porto was interesting. Uh, and one thing that if you want to bring it in game wise is a mix of old and new. There was mm-hmm. a lot of buildings that were very old, including buildings that were like habitations, you know, houses or or small buildings that were multiple, multiple. Uh, we would call them apartments now, but, you know, just multiple dwellings inside of one building. And because of the laws, you know, you had to maintain them in a certain way. But similar to New York, where you have rent control, Porto has a very similar thing Aaron, that Aaron was looking up and researching was that, you know, landlords aren't weren't allowed to raise rents very much. So it kind of inspired a inspired is not the right word for it, but like it caused a cycle of landlords couldn't raise rents. Therefore, they wouldn't do improvements. But because landlords wouldn't raise rents, people wouldn't move out because everywhere else would be so expensive. So you'd have right. people living in buildings that had started to fall apart, you know, and decay. Right. They were very well built because they're all built of stone and with some wood, etc. But you would see a mixture of like office buildings and new buildings and then old buildings that have been fairly well maintained. And then right next to those old buildings that were fairly maintained, you'd have buildings that had some broken windows out of them. People obviously, if they are living in them, aren't very, you know, they're pretty well down on their luck. And then you'd have just shells of a building. You'd have the walls, but no roof and no interior. All of that was just mixed up in kind of a jumble, at least to my eye, you would never see in America, in New York, you're going to go to New York and you're going to see buildings that are quite old, but you know, for the most part, they're not burned out. If right. they are burned out, they're basically going to be demolished and put a, you know, a, a new building is going to get put there. You know, we don't, we don't preserve our history in, in quite the same way that they do in Porto or, or like England, England has uh, certain categories of buildings that are considered historic landmarks. We do that here as well, but just not as, much right one of the other things i wanted to point out that that i mentioned earlier is like people are people everywhere you know everybody sorry about the dogs all over the world you know like uh, and this goes into the whole debates the wrong word for it but like the 
the whole firestorm about, you know, evil races. Mm. When we were playing D&D and when D&D was created, it was not a huge amount of time after like World War Two or Vietnam when there was a whole bunch of propaganda about, you know, good versus evil or or we're good, you're bad. Right. We've learned better, I hope. <laughs> yes, hopefully. <laughs> you know, but even back then, people were still people, but might have gotten caught, caught up in propaganda, etc. But, you know, it's usually the leaders that are, you know, and, and the, the public perception of what is there. But if you get down to your average citizen, if someone needs help, they are going to help them. Going over to Porto just reminded me that, you know, even though I had a language barrier that I needed to overcome, you know, a lot of people there spoke English, but not everybody, um, but they wanted to be helpful or like in a restaurant, they wanted to be able to serve me. And so we figured it out. Um, You know, people were very (laughs) understanding of, hey, you know, English and I know Portuguese, but we don't have a common language that we can speak. Let's figure that out. You know, so like that's something that we can take away as game wise as well is and, and something I haven't really seen in D&D where you have languages, but you never end up hitting a language barrier. I guess that's one other piece that you end up hitting as uh, that little extra nugget out of here is, you know, like one, there are no evil races. There are evil governments. <laughs> and two. There are times when you hit a language barrier, but because people are people, that doesn't mean that, you know, when you meet up with someone else in a city that you don't speak the language at, you're not going to be able to get along. That's a source of role playing, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're immediately going to get into a fight or or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, in role playing games, we often hand wave it, right? Because we have a universal translator or we have, I cast tongues, I cast comprehend languages, right? And part of that goes to, we're not multilingual at the gaming table to begin with, right? So if I fluently spoke German or French or Spanish or something, I I could role play, I could use that language to role play the incomprehension of everybody else, right? And then switch to that language. You know, if only I had known the gaming applications of learning a language when I was in high school, maybe I would have done better, <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's hard. If you're at the table, it's hard to like have like because if you're in the restaurant right and you're talking with someone who or if you're just communicating someone with whom english or your language is not their primary language you got to work it out like i had that when i was coaching scout coaching in baseball and i had parents who only spoke spanish right or spoke primarily spanish right like you figure it out because we're all here to play baseball (laughs) right right yeah i mean especially if you have that context right i was there trying to order a drink and was asking for sparkling water and our waiter didn't understand what he was asking. So he brought me the wine menu and I'm like, fine, I'll get some pork. (laughs) And we figured it out. (laughs) You guys, you know, if you're, you have that reference of baseball, you can figure, you can figure it out at that point, Um, you know, through gestures or just the context of baseball. I remember one game that we had where there were some people who were like, there were two characters. There was a, an NPC and a PC who were speaking a different language and none of the other characters at the table knew what it was. And I say table, I mean, just living room, but you know, right. uh, there wasn't, no, there was no table involved, but you know, everybody, there were just those two people who understood it and they realized that 
they both had they had both taken German and they had enough German and had practiced it enough that they could hold that conversation in German while everybody else there tried to understand what was going on while they spoke it back and forth in German. I had taken German, but the problem here for most people learning another language in America is you don't have people to practice with all the time. And if you don't practice it, you're going to forget right. it. Right. And I had taken three years of German and could maybe understand one word out of like 10 that they said, <laughs> you know, like going over to Porto, they spoke primarily Portuguese. And so it was really weird uh, that like I would be talking and I'd hear little side conversations, which is which is totally normal in a class. But usually I can pick up what those conversations are about. And I couldn't over there. At one point, I mentioned something. I don't remember exactly what it was. But then one of the one of the people were like, it was basically like, how is the class going, et cetera. It's like it's like, you know, it, class. One of the people was like, class is going fine. You know, I, I, I hear people talking about like how they can apply. It was like it was a lunchtime conversation was uh, gotcha. it's like how they can apply what I'm teaching to their own project. It's like, oh, good. They're not just like checking their email and, and making fun of me. Okay, great. <laughs> and and so I was going to say, I think that raises a good point because that's what I ran into because I know no Spanish. I wish I had learned it because honestly, like if I go back in time, Spanish, I, we have a, a significant Spanish population in Easton. And so it would have helped me a lot as a coach. It would help me in my, still help me in my day to day. I'm just, uh, just never nailed it and haven't yep. taken the time to learn it. But in any case, uh, as was the case when I was coaching, right, often it would be like the kid would come over and he would translate for me. And so to your as your example, right, like the translator is a role that often you never see in an RPG. Very true. Because but in real life, that happens all the time. And when you're relying on the translator to give you the truth <laughs> there's all kinds of story stuff that can be going on there right right, um, right. Or the translator is as the important character right like it's not the torchbearer it's not the tank it's not the wizard it's the guy who actually helps you speak to other people yeah i and and we do like you said we do kind of have those universal translator spells or whatever um in dungeon dragons but like in things like blades in the dark or you know, scum and villainy, or maybe cyberpunk. Um, you won't necessarily have those. Um, cyberpunk, you probably will, because like even today, there's Google Translate, and you can sit it on the table and say, "Hey, one of the speakers is English, one of the speakers is Portuguese." Hit hit the microphone, and it will translate as you talk. But right. at the same time, that doesn't. There's a delay as well. Right. Yeah, I, I like the idea of having a translator, even if it's not for nefarious purposes, it may not be a perfect translation. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, look at how many Star Trek story. Well, the the the, the one next generation story I'm thinking about in, in particular, where the universal translator translated the words, but not the context. Mm. Right. Um, and so oh, is because that, there was no. Well, the, go ahead. I know which one going. I'm thinking of. No, no, I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to me after the podcast, um, but I'm not, not going to Google they, it right now. <laughs> they have a crewman in uh, Lower Decks. I don't know if this is the same episode you're thinking of. But yes, like Picard, no, it is. It is. Picard has the one. It's and it's like it, it's always like a metaphor. 
is yes. the or or like a reference to a historical event. Um and and lower decks has a crewman in there as well. Um, you know, it's like so and so before the fall, you know, or or whatever. Uh and you know, so you'll you'll have that character like go through the the scene in the middle and and it's hilarious, but like that's that's how they communicated and so therefore you're hearing the exact words they're saying, but not the meaning of what they're saying. All right, so you bought me time uh-huh. to figure out that it's uh, the episode was Darmok. Darmok, yes. And, and was it, it was Darmok the before the fall? Sh- uh, well, it was Darmok was the name of the episode, and then Shaka, when the walls fell, Shaka was, was yes. like the phrase that he kept giving to Picard, right, as they were trying to like translate back and forth. So all of this is to say, as we ramble on about Star Trek for a bit, like, Interesting things can happen when you don't understand each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting things can happen when you barely understand each other. And so I think that's um, that's uh, there's some potential there if, if everybody's willing to kind of to kind of play along. The other thing that I thought was interesting that you mentioned that I don't know that we use it to highlight cultures in a non stereotypical way. But like there are things where you go to another place and they just have these traditions like the lunch that you experienced um, or like when I went out west to visit my my brother-in-law in Utah, everybody's got gun racks in the back of their cars. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah, everybody knows how to use their firearms. It's not in a threatening way. It's because people go hunting after work, right? Yeah. It's just part of the culture. So when you go to a new region in your role-playing game, what are the things that everybody just takes for granted, right? Because yeah. you know you wouldn't if you saw a, you know a car up you know well maybe in the Poconos it would be different, but in Easton. <laughs> Most people probably keep their guns in like a gun locker and what have you. And you just don't have a, you know, firearm in the back of your Jeep. Right. right? And so how does the culture where you're going again in a non like stereotypical way, there are just things that you do differently, right? Like out West, it's not, I guess it's stereotypical. Everybody wears cowboy hats. Everybody wears cowboy boots, right? Like what are the things that, and for legitimate reasons, like it's hot, it's sunny. Like you're walking through horse crap literally because my, in-laws have horses right like right um there are reasons why you have these things and you know i'm not gonna lie people like wearing they're wearing their cowboy hats and like wearing their boots but you know there are actual reasons why you do these things and why those those traditions evolved yeah um like over there most of the restaurants for dinner would open at 7 p.m and then they'd stay open till about 10 30 or 11 i think and that's weird because like okay, it's like five or five 30 let's eat is, you know, especially since I don't have a commute anymore, you know, it's like we eat fairly early in the evening compared to like that, uh, that over there, you know, there's the, the traditional, you eat a meal, especially like lunch, and then you get a cappuccino and then you, you sit and talk over the cappuccino as well. Although what I did hear, uh, with that company is, that company is also very different compared to the, you know, a large portion of, of Porto, you know, a large portion of, of Porto or, or even, you know, um, Portugal itself is sounded a lot more American where you would work until you finished, you know, like you finish, you, you would work extra time to, you know, and it was kind of a hustle culture. Uh, if you want to put it in more American terms, you know, you got the hustle culture of like, you got to put in as many hours as possible. It is to finish this feature. You don't just go home at five and then continue work on it the next day, which is 
in my opinion, that that Hulsa culture is is not a good culture. You know, it's a very detrimental right. culture to your your average everyday worker. So even within that society, there were differences. Right. And the other thing that I, I do want to warn is like everybody, a fair number of people here have probably heard of cultural appropriation. You don't want to yes. stereotype <laughs> things. You don't want to like grab things and use the stereotype of it be kind of sensitive about it, but like definitely take inspiration from things to make a new culture in your game. Right. Like imagine, you know, you're in a frontier town. Everybody's walking around with pikes. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Everybody's got a pole arm of some sort. Turns Why? out, right. There's a lot of, look at you weird. Cause there's right. There's what? Yeah. Boars. Yeah. Right. Or something. Or, you know, you well, know? dragon attacks, they, yeah, they or... happen every Saturday at six. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, time to get all the time to get all the pikes out. You know, the the large birds, the large carnivorous birds are going to flock over, you know, got to defend the town from the air, the aerial assaults. Trying to think of some of the I had a, I had a thought and I just lost it. So continue. Well, I mean, so the other thing is like mix up the meals right so um you're talking about supersized lunches uh you know my my daughter went to germany this summer and i don't i, I don't think this is quite the right word I, I just googled it because i was trying to find the right the right word for it so one version of this is obendbrot evening bread i think they called it something different in bavaria which is where my um where my daughter was visiting but it's a it's a light supper right it's like breakfast which it's got like bread and um and fine cheese, some meats, that kind of stuff. But it's light, right? Like you might have some soup um, in the colder months, but it's it's a very it's a light meal. And their bigger meal was earlier in the day, right? Like at lunchtime. And so it was a big adjustment for her. She was there for I think two weeks, right? To have this light meal at dinner time, <laughs> and then Instead of a big meal um, at dinner time. This, this bigger meal at uh, you know at lunch, which overall is probably healthier, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting. And so those, those cultural differences, like the timing of things could be important, right? Like, when are people most active? When aren't they most active? Like, are there reasons why people get up? And, you know, I think we talked about it before on some podcast, right? Like, in in uh, in the Middle Ages, there's this concept of the second sleep where people would wake up in the middle of the night, like you would sleep for four hours, you'd be up for two hours, you would sleep for four hours, right? And that's not just because you had the middle watch, it's because that was the pace of civilization at the time right and what's your civilization do <laughs> continuing on that food vein i've always been accused of of you know uh emphasizing food when i've run games in the past <laughs> i've i've made entire game groups like stop telling us about food and all the delicious smells <laughs> we're hungry now let's order pizza sometimes even just little pieces of flavor no pun intended give a difference to a certain area. Like in, in Porto, uh, they have uh, pastel donata. And pastel donatas are these little, you make them in kind of like cupcake tins, but they're they're puff pastry as the outside and then an egg custard in the middle, sometimes dusted with cinnamon or powdered sugar. And every single bakery or, or pasta, uh, pa uh, not pasta, uh, but like, um, I'm forgetting the word now, uh, but every single um, place that uh, I'll call it a bakery act. Why? Mm, it's gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna think of it after 
after this podcast is over, we'll be like, ah, um, <laughs> but every, every place that you would go into would have a, uh, pastel donata, um, or, or pasties donata is the, I think the plural, they would have those in addition to things like croissants or chocolate croissants. And so you, you would see that all over, um, you know, or, or the idea of an espresso everywhere instead of, instead of like in America, you would have a cup of coffee, you know, those sorts of things were interesting, can add a little bit of flavor to your, to your setting. Yeah. And I think I won't beat it to death because we talked about it on the film on episode um, last season, but you know, the terrain makes a huge difference. So most of my experience has actually been traveling out West. Those are the biggest, most dramatic differences. And, and out there, the terrain is huge, but it, it does affect your psyche to, to see, be able to see things for a hundred miles um, or just even to have terrain that is different from what you're used to. Right. So yeah. when I was out in the Midwest, um, rolling thunder, right? Like I'd never heard the sound, like the th sound of thunder in the Midwest is just, sorry, weird because <laughs> okay. it's so flat. It's so flat. There's nothing like we were in, well, we, no, we were in Indiana. I was in Greencastle and a, this massive thunderstorm came through and the, it was almost like a tinny sound compared to what I'm used to. Like here, there's all of these hills. The sound in eastern Pennsylvania, this the the sound does not have a chance to like carry over huge distances, right? Like the trees muffle it, the hills block it. Like if the thunderstorm's right on top of you, obviously you're gonna hear it. But there's right. none of this sort of like rumbling, not even rumbling. I don't I, I don't even know how to describe it at like, least. Like Otherworldly, but normal for you. I can't describe it because it's just normal to me. <laughs> Yeah, terrain definitely matters. You know, like I live in Indiana. It's flat. You know, it's like, oh, that's a big hill over there. No, that that's not really a big hill anywhere <laughs> else. And, you know, like like Porto is built on these, you know, set of hills and and such. And so like it's like a good 30 degree incline from like where my hotel was to where I was working, uh, you know, and so wow. like I'd walk uphill the entire day to the entire morning to to get there, you know, the five, seven minute walk. And then I walk downhill on the way back. That would not happen here. Right. And so, yeah, like like having terrain, there is a like whenever I hear of a medieval city or rather a a gaming medieval city, it's always flat. There's no, <laughs> there's no hills. Things right. are built on a terrace. You, you kind of got to think, you know, it's not like London, you know, it's not, London's pretty flat. Right. You know, but like Porto, a lot of it is just built up the sides and, you know, just, just seeing that is, is different and, and interesting, you know, like over there, they're, most of the streets in Porto, like in in the downtown area of Porto, the streets and the sidewalks are cobbles, right. whereas here they'd all be asphalt and concrete. Yes. And and so that's another difference there. Part of that is, I think, for the historical aspect, but part of it is it's easier to lay down cobbles and they last longer than concrete, especially if you're on an incline. You know, right. <laughs> I don't know what the engineering is to lay a sidewalk on an incline that's 30 degrees, but I imagine it's there's there's a lot of thought that needs to go into that when you're dealing with a liquid. And yeah, even things like uh, like here in the United States, everybody drives everywhere. 
Um, right. and there's a lot of people that drive in Porto, but a majority of the people who live in Porto just walk and right. they, they do have crossing areas, but like where the hotel was for us, there was no light. You just started walking across the street and the traffic would stop for you. <laughs> and it was really weird to get used to that. But, you know, eventually it was like, yeah, just the traffic. If you just stand there, the traffic is going to keep going. But you kind of just have to walk out into it and they will stop and they'll let you across. And then like 30 people will go across for a while. You know, we were stuck getting to the hotel the first night. We're like, I, what is going on that's causing all this trouble? We were stuck there for 15 or 20 minutes, almost at the hotel. And it was like, maybe there's like a construction or maybe like they're they're pulling in a because uh, there was a lot of construction going on in that area. But it's like maybe they're working on the road or whatever and have to move a truck off or whatever. Right. No, it was basically a bunch of tourists and people in Porto just going across <laughs> the road. That was a one way road that we were coming down on and it just stopped traffic for 15 minutes. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge it's a huge difference. I'm in a very walkable community. Um, like I've said before, like I walk to work mm -hmm. and and it changes the dynamic, right? Like when you're walking to work and you see your coworkers or other like just community members, like there's people I see just every day walking to work, either downtown or on on College Hill or what have you. And it, it's a different dynamic. Like if you drive, you're not going to notice. <laughs> right. You're not going to pay attention to the guy behind you or in front of you. So I think the other thing that's interesting from like uh, stuff that traveling taught me about like how things are different and and how that could be applied even and i think it's it's one of those things where it's like you it's almost like you drop the hints right so going back to your region in the midwest tornado shelters right yep. freaking everywhere there are no tornado shelters here right and so when my neighbor who moved here from california i may have told this story before there's a tornado warning and she's like ken what do we do i'm like i don't know <laughs> we don't get tornadoes <laughs> Ouch. Now we've had more yeah. tornadoes more recently. Our climate's changed a little bit, but not still nowhere near into the Midwest. Like you're walking through Denver, walk through Indiana, like almost every major building, right? Like has a like has directions on how to get to a tornado shelter. Yeah. Um, it seemed like that. <laughs> and, like if you've lived like I may become blind to those because I've seen them so often. But, you know, like if you're in Indiana and a tornado happens, you try to get to the lowest level of the building you know, away from windows as you right. can, you know, kind of shelter in place there. If you're not, you try and if you're like outside or like driving in a car and you see a tornado, you know, you need to pull over and get into a ditch sort of thing. Right. It's uh, yeah. Having weird weather uh, in right. those areas and weird is not necessarily weird to that community, but like weird having, to the person who's coming weird in to the right? person who's not familiar with it. So imagine you're, you're walking around some town and it could be medieval, sci-fi, what have you, right? And there's like these little symbols for lightning. And you're like, hmm, I wonder what that's about, right? And you just like offhandedly mention it as the game master. And then like, you know, at some point during the day, wow, it seems really empty around here. Why is everybody scrambling? Like in the, oh, there's this, you know, ozone taste to the air. I wonder what's going on. Oh, well, that's the lightning wave. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that comes through this region every couple of days, right? Yep. Like. Uh, one of when I was living in Malaysia, monsoon season, you know, monsoon season was interesting because you could just about set your watch by when it would rain during the day. Right. I got on the bus excessively early 
I think it was about six in the morning when I stepped onto the bus, maybe 6.30. I remembered getting onto the bus and it would start to rain and then it would, we would be on, I would be on the bus for at least an hour, but then it would stop raining as I was getting off the bus at school. So it would rain for an hour shortly, like at dawn, shortly before dawn. And then as I was getting on the bus to come back from school, it would start to rain as I got on the bus and then stop raining shortly before I got off the bus at home. So it would rain for an hour in the afternoon, like 3.30 or 4 o'clock to like 5 o'clock, you know, right. or, or whatever. And it would you, it was a, a set set of rain. You know, so that was another thing that would regionally in your in that part of the world. That was normal. Whereas right. that, that is not normal here in Indiana. I will tell you that right. like it can rain <laughs> right. whenever you'll know when it's going to rain that day, like, or, or like a day, like tomorrow it's going to rain. Well, it might rain all day. It might rain off and on, but you're not going to set your watch by when it's going to rain. Whereas in Malaysia, right. like it seemed like if it was monsoon season, it would rain at this time of day and it would rain at this time of day. And the rest of the day, it would not rain. Right. And I think, you know, another interesting place when I went to Alaska in Fairbanks, they had, you know, outside the hotels, motels, what have you, they would have these little stands and there would be like electrical cords there. Right. And like every single parking spot had like this electrical cord. And we're like, what the heck are those for? It's to keep your like there. You have engine block warmers mm -hmm. in the winter. Mm -hmm. If you're parked at the hotel, you have to keep your engine block warm. And so the cars have engine block warmers and you plug into the electricity so that your car, your engine will start the next day. Right. Yep. Yep. And so especially if you, you have know, a diesel engine. Yes, 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 exactly. And so um, it was just it was fascinating, right, that, that that was just that's a part of life in Fairbanks, Alaska, because of how cold it gets. Right. And yep. so adjustments to, you know, duration of, of the daylight and and, um, you know, when we went there, it was June. So it was almost midnight sun. It got twilight for like an hour and then it was full sun again. Wow. Um, have that like and then obviously they have the, the you know, the midnight, the the opposite where it's dark for 24 hours, but right. that's a big thing, right? Like in the regions that you're visiting, especially if you're have more of a globe trotting campaign, as opposed to a campaign that's just stuck in the same region, right? you know, or even like when we were playing scum and villainy, you land on the planet. Why is it dark? Well, you just landed in like the port at the, you know, the North pole of that planet because it happens to be the habitable region. And yeah, it's dark because it's dark for six months of the year. Yep. More on the social side of things, you know, talking about, you're talking about like either that town that everybody carried a pike or, uh, you know, people here would have a gun rack. Right. That area, I imagine, was more uh, less urban. Yes. And like, you know, the, it's weird in a lot of ways. Like if you're if you're going to a, a bigger city, it's weird to have someone carrying a gun in a bigger city. Out west, it's not as weird as you might think. <laughs> okay, fair. I have not been in those areas very much. If you were to go to downtown Chicago, you're not going to see someone with yes. a rifle slung over their back. You're not. And you're going to be worried if you do. And you're going to be worried if you do. Maybe you have a society that, you know, or you have a big city where carrying your sword or carrying carrying a magic wand or a magic staff or your your quiver of arrows in your bow like down the city street is going to get you people 
moving away and and right. leaving <laughs> leaving you alone and maybe the constabulary comes and has a little talk with you right having those sorts of differences might also be interesting right or it's a dry town right like mm. you arrive and they're like they don't care about your weapons how much alcohol are you carrying adventurers oh let me yeah. see what's in that bag of holding five casks of ale what are you trying to pull here <laughs> right you smuggling what? And they like, oh, wait, we had that. Those are those great moments where the party forgets what they have in their bag of holding. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, you just entered the town with contraband. <laughs> and, and it might not be contraband to you, but it is in that town. Right. Exactly. I have only found in all of my traveling, and I think I haven't traveled very much, but for some people in the United States, I have traveled quite a bit in my lifetime. You know, but I still don't feel that I've traveled a ton. It's interesting. I have only had good experiences going to other places. You know, have there been bad experiences in general? Yeah, Yes, there have been. But it's not because of where I'm going. It is because of a small group of people that I might have interacted with. I've had more bad experiences in the United States than I have in other places. <laughs> You know, but that's also because percentage wise, I have lived here a lot longer as well. You know, I would encourage any gamer out there, go to another place. Uh, you know, like if you can spend some time going to another culture, it's only going to enrich you as a person. And then in addition to that, you can enrich your game with it as well. And and if possible, don't just take a tour because you're going to get the sanitized touristy version. Whereas if you can kind of wander around and pick and choose where you want to go, you're going to see, you're still going to probably see a lot of touristy type stuff, but you're going to also see a, a side that's more like day-to-day -day life. Excellent. Oh, and one, I have to say this one thing before we leave, uh, <laughs> I did talk about the pastel donata, which were delicious. I'm going to talk about another delicious item there that I discovered in Porto that's that they're kind of famous for. Like if you're there, people will say you have to get one of these things and try it. But like having a signature dish of your area is, you know, like pretty cool. St. Louis has the slinger, you know, like there's skyline chili or, or like chili with, with macaroni in Cleveland area. There's, something weird called the hot and brown and like i think it's the louisville area um there's uh like canada has poutine which is like french fries with gravy on top porto has uh what's called the the i believe it's i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation so i apologize but i think it's the french asina or french asina directly translated stands for little french but basically it's two slices of it's it's a sandwich sort of You'll understand what I mean by sort of in a moment. It's, uh, <laughs> it's two slices of white bread. They're not like Wonder Bread where it's super squishy. It's it's it it holds up almost like Texas toast, but not quite as thick. Okay. Um, okay. And then a variety of meats. And I cannot identify what that means, but there's a variety of meats in between the sandwich, in between the two pieces of bread that is put onto a, sh uh, a plate that's kind of a shallow bowl. Okay. And then they take a, a lot of cheese and melt that in the oven over the top of this 
of this sandwich. And then when it comes out, they ladle over this, this sauce. It's a tomato-based sauce with it's a, that has different spices in it. They ladle that all over the sandwich and cheese and stuff. But the like the bread won't get soggy because the cheese has basically adhered to the plate. So you can kind of, as you're eating it with a fork, you can kind of right. sop up the the sauce. But then they serve that with French fries, and you're supposed to take the French fries and just kind of like take a bunch and put it in the bowl in into your onto your plate so that it also soaks up that sauce. Um, and the restaurant that I went to, they actually brought out a whole tureen of extra sauce in case you ran out. Wow. And it was delicious. But what's interesting is every single restaurant makes theirs slightly differently, you know, and usually it's like a slightly different variation on the sauce. You know, the, the guy who was help, who is, who is my co-teacher, uh, had gone and eaten one, uh, early on. He's like, you know, they're like, Oh, did you have the Francesina? And, and, and he was like, yeah, kind of did. You know, it was all right. And then we had more, <laughs> then they, the the last day we were teaching, instead of eating at the cantina that was part of their company, they took us out to a restaurant and was like, "You have to go here for the Francesina." And like everybody got one because that was what they were going to do that day. And he, after that, he was like, "Oh, now I see what you mean. This was a good <laughs> one. That one was not a good one." But like there you can order them just about everywhere not everywhere everywhere but you can order them in many of the the restaurants there and they'll all be different it was delicious it was also one of those things where it said if you eat this six days in a row you will go to the hospital <laughs> you sort of thing uh i believe aaron looked it up and it was over a thousand calories for just the one meal and so and i believe it it was delicious. I don't need to have one for at least another three months, if not longer. But if offered one tomorrow, I might eat it sort of thing. Like it, it was very good. I'm not going to crave it, but I would definitely like another one in my lifetime. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so a signature dish, to bring it back, yes. around, a signature dish, you know, is is something that could also like the pastel de nata or the French Asina or something like that could could help bring just a little extra flavor and make your setting a little more memorable. Yeah, and so <clears throat> you've got great meals like uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, of which my wife is uh, comes from that culture. They have uh, they have scrapple, which um, you know people ask what what is it, and it's like you're better off not asking. Just here, take some you know t toast it up uh, in you know your like an iron skillet, and then uh, throw some apple butter on that, and it'll be great. Um, I think technically it's a kind of sausage. Okay. It's not, I, th I think it, it's basically like sausage where you took everything that was left over and you put it into the sausage and that became the scrapple because, you know, good Germans, they're not going to let anything go to waste. And so, um, you know, it's, it's very much a tradition in her family. And I went to school in, in central Pennsylvania and like scrapple was just a thing you did. And I'm like, uh, what? And they're like, just try it. Just try it. <laughs> so in my home yeah, state, well, it is Taylor ham, which is a kind of pork roll. And there's a debate in New Jersey as to whether you call it Taylor ham or pork roll. OK, gotcha. Um, yeah. And there's a, a debate <laughs> in France whether or not you call. And I, I don't remember the names for it, but it's a. Uh, 
it's a croissant, sort of. It's made similar to the, the way a croissant is made, but they put chocolate inside of it. And mm. so it's either called a chocolate croissant or another name that basically means chocolate croissant, but it's not. <laughs> and so there's like a debate over what's the proper name. And depending upon which region of France you're in, it's one or the other. Yes. In in, uh, in New Jersey, if you're from the northern part of the state, uh, it is Taylor Ham, it's, which is made in uh, Trenton, New Jersey, because uh, Trenton makes and the world takes. Uh, that's a famous slogan on a bridge. And okay. uh, and in South Jersey, it is pork roll, if I remember gotcha. that correctly. I grew up knowing it as Taylor Ham because that's I'm in the northern part of the state. And then in the central New Jersey, which is a myth and doesn't actually exist, it's a toss up. But <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. The great, but the great regional debates, right? Like they're like, you know, New Jersey, it's like, oh, it's the garden state. People like make a lot of jokes about it. But within New Jersey, there are very much distinctive differences between being allied with New York or being allied with Philadelphia. What's your city aligned with? Right. Like it's it's a huge thing in New Jersey. And um, I imagine, you know, that's a very easy thing to bring into your gaming world. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Well, I think we're I think we're about done. We've talked about a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could talk about it for a while longer, but um, I'm trying to do the intermittent fasting thing. So I think I need to stop talking about food um, and uh, and instead maybe try and get a it's almost 10. And I think I was I don't know that we talked about it here, but right before the podcast, I was talking about how I'm still a little jet lagged. Um, mm, and yes, so I think I'm going to do a little bit of reading and then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have feedback, we love feedback. You can send it to us at uh, podcast at secrets.com or via Twitter at layer of secrets. We stream this live on Twitch. If you want to get your fix of things early and very unedited. Uh, we are Lair of Secrets, one word, over on Twitch. Uh, you can visit lairofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. And if you have some great ideas for food dishes, we would love to hear them. <laughs> have a great week, everybody.